I ask, Father, that we would apply this lesson to our lives, Lord. A lesson on prayer, Lord. That you would teach us to pray as your disciples asked, Father. We love you, Father. We praise you. We thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Why don't you guys say hi to someone next to you and you guys may be seated. Right. Good morning and God bless you men and women of Redeemed Church. Welcome. If you guys are listening online today, we love you guys. Join us as we turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 11. I'm going to give you guys some announcements. Luke chapter 11. Uh, just friendly reminders. Uh, now every Sunday we are meeting here at 9 o'clock for leadership and uh, we get together and have, have a devotion. Um, if you feel called, you want to begin to serve, go ahead and uh, meet us here at 9 o'clock on Sundays. Also with that, on Wednesday nights, we started our, we just had our first Wednesday night Bible study this past Wednesday, and, and the Lord has just blessed me abundantly through that. I'm just so amazed with what God is saying through his words. We're going through 1 Corinthians on Wednesday nights. Along with that, the men, we, we continued to meet every Friday at 7 p.m., and it's been a blessing. We just had uh, Ivan Gonzalez teach for us this past Friday. But this coming Friday, we're going to be in the book of Ephesians. So if you guys would like to join us for that, we're going to be there. Also with that, there is an agape box in the back if you feel called to, to give and you have been blessed by this ministry and this is your home church. We would uh, encourage you to do that. Um, and we don't ask for money. We receive the gifts that you guys want to give. So... Um, if you're visiting here today, don't, don't even worry about it. And then along with that, we are now um, going to be continuing in our verse-by-verse -verse study in the book of Luke. And we love going verse-by-verse -verse through the Bible because we get the whole counsel of God when we see everything in context, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And it, it's a blessing to see how the Lord has been showing us through his teaching of his disciples what it means to be a disciple. We've been continuing through Luke's gospel and we see how Luke took so many notes and so many details about what the disciples went through. And Luke wasn't even a disciple himself. He wasn't one of the 12, I should say, disciples. He came later on, but he got eyewitness testimony from different sources from Mary, from some of the other disciples, and was recording what Jesus was doing with his disciples. Today's study is, is going to be a, a continuation, so to speak, on, on prayer and how important prayer is on the, in our life. My title for today's study is Perseverance in Prayer. You see, prayer is often neglected in our lives. So many times when we should be praying, we end up acting before we pray. We end up doing things apart from the will of God because we're not in a relationship that is continual with him. We break that prayer fellowship. Last week, we saw how Jesus was giving the model prayer, that famous, Our Father who are in heaven. And Jesus was teaching his disciples, look, this isn't a, a, a verse that you need to repeat day after day in order for the Lord to bless you. That He was giving them the model of an example of having that fellowship with the Heavenly Father that we can talk to. I was blessed a, a few Friday nights ago, one of the brothers in our fellowship, when we were talking about prayer, he learned, and it was a new revelation to him, that you can talk to God about anything. Not, it doesn't just have to be praying for our needs, but we can literally talk to God, bring our problems to him, bring our struggles to him, the situations that we're in. I want to read from you guys 
out of Luke chapter 11 so we could get just a, a picture of the verses that we're going to be covering this morning. In Luke chapter 11, we're going to read from verses 5 to verse 13. It says, And he said to them, Which of you shall have a friend? And go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing set to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So this is our text. And we wonder sometimes, why does Jesus love so much to give us parables, give his disciples parables? Sometimes there can be confusing if you're studying them. Even to this day, I... I've been exhorted to be careful in my, my studying of the parables because they they're illustrations and we don't want to give the, uh, a wrong illustration. But it's interesting when Jesus was giving this parable, of the disciples, they questioned. They questioned, why do you speak in parables, Jesus? And Jesus answers that question in Matthew chapter 13, verses 10 through 11. It says, And the disciples came to him and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered and said to them, Because it ha has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. So there's twofold purpose of the parables. You see, partially, he wanted his disciples to have a better understanding of a spiritual truth. And on the other part, he wanted to have those who were spiritually blind not understand it. He wanted it to be foreign to them. So that those who were spiritual can increase spiritually, and those who were blind would continue in blindness. Now, it wasn't so that the non-believer would stay in that unsaved state. But Jesus said, don't cast your pearls before swine. Those who are not open to the Holy Spirit, those who are rejecting the Holy Spirit, the Lord confirms them in that. It's a mystery to me that God does not reveal tr these spiritual truths to everyone. But I think also about the way to heaven, of salvation. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 14, Jesus says to enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. It's sad to say that more people will choose to reject God. So because of this, God has allowed blindness on their part. And very few are going to choose to follow after Christ. This is why Jesus spoke in parables. So that those who are spiritual can be spiritually blessed. And those who reject the Spirit, those who reject God, will remain. Which brings me to my first point. Point one. Persevere in prayer. We read again in verse 5. 
It says, And he said to them, Which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. See, the lesson here is perseverance. That word persevere, it means to continue in a course of action, even in the face of difficulty or with little or no prospect of success. And we've been in situations like that. Perhaps we've even needed to borrow some sugar from someone before. We needed to go to our neighbor. And maybe they blessed us and maybe they were, they were rude and we were like, oh man, we don't have our sugar for today. But did we persevere? Did we knock on the door in the middle of the night and wake up their family? No, probably not. That's weird. When I think of perseverance, I think of how hard it was for some people to get into the In-N-Out Burger Corporation. You see, as a young teenager, I got in because my sister worked there. But other people, uh, it's sometimes really hard they, they, to get hired because everybody wants to work, well, at least when you're a teenager, everybody wanted to work at In-N-Out Burger. And I would see all, all these young people, they would go to In-N-Out Burger and they, they would come, some of them would be dressed nice and they would be like, hey, like, can, can I turn in an application? And most of the time they would say, hey, you know what? Actually, all of our application process is online. So, you know, go try there. And then that person would walk away kind of bummed out and you would never see them again. But I remember one girl in particular, as I, I, when I worked there, I worked there for six years, I would constantly see her come back and she would always ask, can I speak to a manager? And I would say, yeah, let me, let me go get them. And then she would ask, hey, can I, can I apply here? Is there any way I could do that? And they would always tell her the same answer. Like, no, you, you got to go apply online. And she would. But then she kept coming back. And I would see her, like, after months and months, she kept coming back. And I, was, I felt bad. I was like, man, like, you're never going to make it. That's what I thought. <laughs> like, you got to know somebody. Somebody's got to give you a good word. But there was a manager there who for some reason or another said, you know what, I, I like this girl, I'm going to give her a shot. And she ended up getting the job. She persevered after months and months of being rejected. She got, she got the job. Even my, my wife, Lisette, rejected me when I first uh, approached her. But I persevered, I waited patiently on the Lord, and the Lord brought her to me. See, perseverance, it prevails much. And I'm reminded of, of that, that phrase, the squeaky wheel gets the oil. One of my friends uh, told me, or it gets replaced. But the, the, the context there I'm trying to show us is, look, let's, as in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, what it says. It says, and let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. You see, God's going to bring those blessings when we're working with him. When we are in Christ. In that situation that they were in, the, the neighbor was not someone that Jesus is trying to glorify here. He's saying, look it, this neighbor doesn't even want to give a person sugar in the middle of the night. That's a burden for someone to get up and to give to someone. But he wants to show us, look, this is what the earthly tr truth is like. This is what happens on earth. Let me show you a heavenly truth. In verse nine, he says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. So what is this verse saying? Does this mean that, look, we could ask for whatever we want and God's going to give it to us? Mm -mm. Let's talk about what this verse isn't saying. This verse is not saying that God is a vending machine. Who is Jesus talking to in this portion of scripture? 
his disciples. So who were Jesus' disciples? They were men that had followed that call, who had the desire to follow Jesus, who first did what? He said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Let him take up his cross and let him come follow me. That process, the desire, the denial of the self, the dying to self, and then following after Jesus. This is who Jesus is talking to when he says, look, if you ask, if you seek, if you knock, it's going to be open to you. Men and women who have already laid themselves aside and are following the will of God. That model prayer when Jesus was giving them the example of what prayer is like, in the prayer he says, your kingdom come, your will be done. He doesn't say our will. He's saying the Father's will be done. And I'm reminded of that song, you can't always get what you want. Point two, seek first the kingdom. And I take that from Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, when Jesus exhorted his disciples, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. You see, when we are in alignment with the Lord, when we have his desires, God wants us to pray because he wants to bless us. But there's times in our life when we don't seek first the kingdom, when we're seeking our own kingdom and our own will. I'm reminded of the example of King Hezekiah in the Old Testament. I'm going to paraphrase this for you guys. You guys don't need to turn there. But King Hezekiah in 2 Kings 20, later on uh, for extra credit, go home and read 2 Kings chapter 20. But King Hezekiah... He was actually a a good king over Judah. And Judah, the Israelites, had a lot of bad kings during their, their reign. They had a lot of kings that were ungodly. But King Hezekiah was one of those ones who who did seek the Lord. He followed after the Lord. He prayed to the Lord. And towards the end of King Hezekiah's life, there was a point in his life when he got deathly sick. He was so sick that he knew he was going to die. A prophet even came to him and said, hey, prepare yourself. The Lord's going to take you home. And King Hezekiah, in in his sorrow, went to the Lord and and prayed to the Lord and begged the Lord, Lord, please don't take my life. Let me live, Lord. Please let me live. And the prophet returned to King Hezekiah and said, okay, Hezekiah, the the Lord said he's going to grant you 15 more years. Now, here's the, the sad thing about that. During those 15 years, King Hezekiah had a few sons. One of those was Manasseh. And Manasseh grew up to be one of the most wicked kings that Judah ever had. And he wouldn't have even existed if Hezekiah didn't pray to have those extra 15 years in his life. You see, there is God's will, and then we have our free will which God gives us. And you see, sometimes our free will, it does not line up with God's will. Sometimes we go against what God wants. And I think it's one of those worst things that can happen is for God to give you something that it's not his will for you. It's his permissive will. And that's not good. He allows things in life to happen. That sometimes in his desire, he does not want. He doesn't want people to go to hell. But he allows people to have free choice and free will. He desires that all come to know Jesus and are saved. So maybe you're praying for something that God doesn't want in your life. I, at a certain point in time, when I first got saved, over 10 years ago, I I remember I got saved and I just came out of a a bad relationship and I was praying that the Lord would save my ex. And I was praying hard like, Lord, just save save her. And the Lord showed me, hey, I, I, I desire that she gets saved too, but why do you really want her to be saved? Is it just so that you guys could be back together? And the Lord showed me I was seeking 
God for selfish ambition. And I wanted things to be done in, in my way. But what I didn't realize was God had an awesome plan for who I was going to marry in the future. For the, my time of, of being single as a believer and growing in the Lord. And to ultimately meet my wife. He was preparing her. He was preparing me. Which brings me to point three. I have an acronym for us to remember. That acronym is called PUSH. And it stands for Pray Until Something Happens. In verse 10, back in Luke's Gospel, we read, For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. So now what these verses are saying is that for Jesus' disciples, prayer is going to be answered. And spiritual blessings are going to be received by us when we come to him in prayer. And why does he make us go through this, this walk of, of praying? Because God already knows what we need. He's all-knowing. So why does he want us to ask it's because he desires that we be in that fellowship, that relationship with him, that intimacy. God desires you. Yes, he wants to bless you, but he personally wants you individually with him. And he wants us not to depend on our own strength, but he wants us to depend on him. Not what we can surmise and build up in our, our finances and in our success and in our our mind and our in our brain. God wants us to realize, look, all those things He gave us. Because all good things come from above. And to give Him glory and to be humble. This past Friday we talked about humility in our life. The men we went deep in on, on what it is to be humble. And how many times in our, in our life we have pride and it builds up. But God desires that we would be humble. It even says in the Bible that God resists the proud. See, we then, we have the privilege to pray and ask to receive God's will. That he puts his desires in our heart. And then when we pray for what he wants, God blesses us with those answered prayers. You see, even if it's a no. I want to read to you a verse out of John 16, 23. In John 16, 23, it says, And in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Do you guys believe this this morning? That whatever we ask in the name of, of Jesus, that God will give us? So I'm not saying, look, go out and ask for the winning lotto ticket, because no, that's probably not God's will for your life. He knows that if, if we got that much money, that we'd probably spend it crazily and We'd end up in a bad spot. But God wants us to pray for his will, his desires, and he wants to bless you with those things. And this is the spiritual truth, that when we ask in Jesus' name, we will, shall receive in Jesus. And this is perseverance in prayer. It brings blessings. Even if the answer is no, like I said, God's going to give you peace. You see, sometimes the answer is wait, wait on me. Sometimes it's go, sometimes it's no. But in all these things, when you pray until something happens, the Lord's going to bring that peace. He's going to bring you that confirmation of whether it's a no or a go. I remember there was this point in my when I was working at, at Calvary Chapel and I, I was praying really hard about this particular missions trip that they, they traveled around the world for like 10 months. And it was a lot of money and I was praying about it and I really, my heart really desired to go. And so I began to pray and seek the Lord if this was his will for my life. And as I did that, uh, 
I was praying it first. There's a threefold rule that I always use whenever I'm praying about something. Number one, is there a door for me to, to do whatever it is I'm praying about? Is there an open door? Number two, is it sin? Because if it's sin, it's definitely not God's will for me in my life. And, and number three, do I have a peace about it? Is there peace? So for me, I, as I was in this situation where I wanted to go and travel and do missions work, I saw, okay, that's definitely not sin. Okay, that's good. And number two, um, I have the desire and there's an open door for me. So so yeah, like uh, I'm... I'm uh, Number three, like, do I got peace? Oh, yeah, I think I got peace about it. Yeah, Lord, let's do this. I was going to go. But just to be sure, I wanted to begin to pray about it. And as I began to pray about this mission trip, the Lord started to take away that peace from my heart. And I was like, man, and I just felt like I was striving against the Lord. And in my mind, I was trying to, to make all the signs come up. I'm like, okay, Lord, if that signal turns green, that means you want me to go on this mission trip. Right, testing the Lord in, in silly ways where it's like, you know, literally that light's going to turn green no matter what. You see, we, we shouldn't test God like that. And I, and I find, found myself in, in this state of just striving with the Lord and there was the peace that was leaving me. And once I realized like, okay, this is, I, I've lost my peace. Lord, you're, you're speaking to me. This is not your will for my life. I, I am to stay where you've called me to. And as soon as I did that, uh, I remember actually I was, <laughs> I, um, I got that answer and I, I was kind of bummed like, oh, I'm, I'm not going to go on this mission trip. And I, I went to McDonald's and got some burgers and then I went, oh no, I'm sorry. I went to Tommy's and got some burgers and then I went to the McDonald's and got some ice cream. And then I called my pastor and I was like, dude, I was like, I just went through two fast food drive throughs right now. And he said, oh, you're depressed, bro. <laughs> and he was like, that's the, the, definition of depression right that right there but then you want to know what happened immediately after that once i let it go once i said okay god i I, i'm giving you this mission trip i'm going to stay where you've called me to then all of a sudden the peace came back and i was like okay god i know where i'm where you want me to be but you see i had to pray until something happened otherwise maybe perhaps i would have just gone on that missions field work where god didn't want me and been frustrated and, and just in a spot where i should have never been so pray until something happens and look at that that no answer understand that that's god's goodness in your life you see he wants you to to make sure that you have he has your best interest in mind in Daniel, I want you guys to turn actually your Bibles this morning. We're going to read a little bit out of, out of Daniel, the, the prophet. In Daniel chapter 10, there's an example of, of perseverance in praying. See, Daniel was a prophet who, when we look at him, God used this man mightily. He also allowed him to go through many trials in his life. He was thrown into a lion's den at one point. The Lord saved him through that. But Daniel was also a man who saw visions from the Lord. The Lord would bring the word to him. And Daniel was a man who was very in tune with God's voice and the spirit. So Daniel, at a certain point, in Daniel chapter 10, he sets his heart and his mind to fast and to pray that the word of the Lord might come to him. Being a prophet over Israel, he had that task and responsibility. So in Daniel chapter 10, let's look at verse 2. It says, In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food. No meat or wine came into my mouth. Nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. So in this point, Daniel's fasting. He's fasting and he's praying for the Lord to bring him the message that he needs to give to Israel. And then look down at verse 10. It says, Suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. 
And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright. For I now have been sent to you. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. And then in verse 12, it says, Then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. Daniel then goes on to receive the the prophecy that the kingdom of Persia was going to come against him. Look at verse 13, actually. It says, But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief priests, princes, came to help me. For I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in their latter days, for the vision refers to many days yet to come. Okay, so in verse 13, we have something really cool, really eye-opening in verse 13. Because this angel, as he's telling Daniel, look, from the moment you started praying, I was dispatched to you, I was sent to you. But something happened that caused me to be hindered and my message to you. And he gives us an insight of what's going on in the spiritual realm. He says, look, as soon as I got the word, okay, I was going to go to you, Daniel, and give you this message. But then the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. What does that mean, the kingdom of Persia? This is literally a demonic being. Many people think it's actually Satan. So I'm imagining this. You have this angel in heaven, right? And God's like, okay, I want you, angel, to go give this word to Daniel. And then the angel's like, all right, I'm heading out. And as he's flying through space to get to Daniel, all of a sudden, Satan, this big demonic being, comes and then gets this angel in a headlock. And he's got him. And they're wrestling. And they're literally, the translation means hand-to-hand combat this spiritual warfare that's going on. For 21 days, the prince of Persia, the king of Persia, withstood this angel. And Daniel doesn't know. Daniel's there praying and fasting and waiting for the word of the Lord to come to him. So then God, the father, is like, all right, Michael, one of the archangels, he's like, I need you to go down and help your brother out because right now he's being withstood by this demonic warfare. So then Michael, the archangel, flies down there and then has this crazy battle. You've seen probably those, those pictures where Michael the archangel is fighting, fighting the serpent. And then there is, they're victorious. Michael is victorious against him. So then the angel who was originally going to Daniel then finally makes it to Daniel and gives him the prophecy. Now for me, something that I, that I take out of that scripture, verse, verse 12 I have it underlined. The reason being is when I read that, when it says from the first day that you set your heart to understand, humble yourself, God heard your words and I have come because of your words. Understand this, believers, that God, he hears your prayers. We don't see what's happening in the spiritual realm. And look at how much would Daniel have missed out on if he would have gave up in his praying. On day three, I'm, oh, I'm hungry. I'm going to start eating. On day four, you know what? I don't want to talk to God anymore because I'm not seeing results. I'm not seeing answers. Man, Daniel would have missed out so much if he would have stopped. But through those prayers, God was faithful. And I ask us this morning, are we becoming impatient in prayer? in our prayers for our family, in our prayers for where we're going in life? Are we becoming impatient? Also, are we ready to give up on God's faithfulness? We see God is always faithful, and we know the Word teaches that God is always faithful. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13, 
It says if we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. You, look, this is an attribute of God, that God is faithful. And whatever God is, he's 100% of it. God is all love. He's all faithful. He does not lie. He is true to his word, his promise. Again, in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9, it says, Therefore, know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. You see, God is faithful to answer his prayer. He's faithful to save us. He loves us. Which point four I have written down. God loves answering prayers. Let's look at verse 11. Jesus says, If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So this is a second illustration now that Jesus is giving the disciples of the earthly truths. You see, Jesus is saying, look, even a good father is going to meet his son's needs. You see, a, a, a good father will not give something worthless like a stone to a child when the child is hungry. A good father does not do harm to his children. And he will not give him something deadly when the child is in need. The father is supposed to be a provider and a protector of his household. And the spiritual principle here that Jesus is giving is that if even a good earthly father, who are still sinners, knows how to bless his children, how much more so is God our perfect heavenly father able to bless us, his children, when we ask of him. Again, another portion of scripture that I'm reminded of is when Hannah asked that God would bless her with a child. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 8 through 17, if you guys want to turn your Bibles there, 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 8 through 17. Here's a woman who perseveres in prayer, who digs in. We read in 1 Samuel 1, verse 8, it says, Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? See, Hannah was weeping because she didn't have her, her child yet. She was praying for a child. And then in verse 9, it says, So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. 
I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief I have spoken until now. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition which you have asked of him. You see, this is the, the story in the Old Testament, that the account that we love, I've seen a woman who is persevering and the Lord answers her prayer. And I ask us, what has our Heavenly Father given us this morning? So much. Salvation, first and foremost. The Lord has blessed us with salvation. God has given us forgiveness. Redemption, meaning we're bought by him, we are owned and kept by the Lord. An adoption to his family, that we can call him our heavenly father. All these spiritual blessings, so endless to count, joy, love, peace, fulfillment. This is what God has blessed us with. So we, like Hannah, can come before the Lord in that state of humility and saying, Lord, Help me with this. Help me in this area of my life and persevere and toil. I think also, when I think about the things that our Heavenly Father has given us, I think of that verse, John 3, 16. We all know it. It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. See, God gave us his only son, Jesus. Do we think that he, he doesn't want to bless us? No. It cost him everything. God's not trying to hold back from us. Again, in Romans chapter 8, verse 32. It says, for God so, I'm sorry, that's not Romans 8.32. Let me turn to my Bible, Romans 8.32. Stop there. It says in Romans 8.28, this is a verse about what do we do when God says No. When God says no, it says in Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. So what do we do when God says no? When we come to those places that we don't understand what God is doing, how about fall back on what we do know about our Heavenly Father? The things that we do understand, which is God is good. God is faithful. God loves us that his plans are far better than what we have planned for ourselves. Sometimes we just think that we know what's best for us in our life. And rather than asking for God to direct us in our prayers, we're trying to direct God in our prayers. But may we not try to direct God in our prayers. Because Isaiah chapter 55 verses 8 and 9 the prophet writes, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. See, God's plan for your life is always better. Always. And if you're abiding in Christ and there's something in your life that you don't have, it's probably because God doesn't want you to have it right now. And it might just be for now or for a season, but it also might be because he's preparing you because he has something totally different in your life for you. And other times, as Hannah, God calls us to seasons of prayerful endurance. I'm reminded of Pastor Dale Goddard over at Calvary Chapel. There was a season in his life where he had backslid from the Lord for 13 years. When he came back to the Lord, his marriage was on the rocks. And he had to pray that the Lord would bring his wife back to him. 
His wife was living in another house with another man. But he prayed. And he was praying for his marriage. And there was times in his life when he felt like throwing in the towel and he said, you know what, okay, that's it. I'm going to divorce my wife. And then the Lord would send a word to him saying it's not time to give up yet. Continue to pray. And so he continued in prayer. And then his wife came back to him and said, look, I'm not coming back for you. I'm coming back because the Lord spoke to me and said I have to. And God did a miracle in his life. And he, he tells the man, he's like, look, I, I, don't, I don't tell you guys that God can do it. I tell you guys God did it. He did it in my life. Where God did a miracle. And that's persevering in prayer. So how do we know when we're praying for God's will or not? Because we don't want to pray for those things that God doesn't want for us. You see, we need to be in a relationship with Jesus, that he would give us discernment on what is his will. I'll end with a few excerpts from E.M. Bounds, his book on power through prayer. And it's a book that I recommend every Christian to to go through, E.M. Bounds, Power Through Prayer. He says this in his book, Units of prayer combined, like drops of water, make an ocean which defies resistance. Spiritual work is taxing work, and men loathe to do it. Praying, true praying, costs an outlay of serious attention and of time which flesh and blood do not relish or do not like. God's plan is to make much of the man, far more of him than of anything else. Men are God's method. The church is looking for better methods. God is looking for better men. You see, we need the Holy Spirit in our life to fill us with his power. And we can only do that through prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, continue to teach us to pray, Lord. I ask, Lord, that We would desire those things that are are, are from you. Father, that you would give us so much of your word, so much wisdom, discernment, so that we can see you work and do miracles in our life, Lord God. I pray for spiritual blessings in this room, that you would gift your people, gift them with self-control, Gift them, Lord, with wisdom, with insight, with vision. And Father, we pray and we ask, Lord, Father, that you be glorified. We thank you for your son, Jesus, what he did on the cross for us. And we pray and we ask, Lord, that we would live lives glorifying to him. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's all stand. Well, this morning, if you guys would like prayer after, uh, after service, go ahead and, and come forward. We, we would love to pray for you. Um, we said we'd love to pray for you also. This morning, if uh, you're a woman and you want to seek prayer, she's, uh, she would love to just ask that God would be with you. But be blessed this week. We're excited to continue in our book of Corinthians, so we'll see you then. But for now, let's end with this last praise of worship.
Wednesday night.